I'm about to start a series that I believe will change our lives forever. It's not a cliche. I know what God said to me and I know what God is about to do. So I want us to prepare our hearts. I want us to get ready as we encounter God on a higher level. Amen. Amen. All right. If you're ready, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs chapter 22, verse 4. The book of Proverbs chapter 22, verse 4. Are you there? Okay, I read. It says, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. I read it again. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor. We are blessed by the reading of God's word. I am starting a four-part series that I have titled Advantages of Walking in the Fear of God. Part one. Advantages of Walking in the Fear of the Lord. Part one. We are living in dangerous times. When I say dangerous times, we are living in times where continues to grow. We are living in times where the Bible says, in the last days, the love of many shall wax cold. And because the love of many will wax cold, they will not love God anymore. They will love their own ways and they will do things their own ways. And because of that, sin will abound. Sin will be glorified. Sin will be gratified. Sin will become the talk of the town. Sin will become the most glorified thing in our generation. And therefore, it is vital and important for us to align ourselves with God and walk on his path so that we will be with him on the last day. That's why Even in the body of Christ, even in the church, you see sin on the highest level. Sometimes you'll be shocked the kinds of sins that are in the church. These are not new. These were sins that were there from the beginning. 
For instance, in the church of Corinth, there were all kinds of sins that were going on that Paul said, this kind of sin should not be once mentioned among us. Are you following me? So, it is very important for us to understand that we are living in the last days of the last days. And Jesus can come at any time. I have always said that I don't need to know when Jesus is coming because I am ever ready. <laughs> because he said he will come like a thief in the night. So I shouldn't go about worrying to know when he's coming, what date, because he's already said that I am coming like a thief in the night. Are you following me? And so it is important for us to go back to the foundation of walking in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord should be popular again in the church. Paul said, let these things not be once mentioned among you. What are they? The sins of the world. They should not be once mentioned among us. And so therefore there are advantages in walking in the fear of God. There are advantages. What is an advantage? An advantage is anything that places you above others. And everything in God and in the kingdom of God adds up to us. The things of God never takes us down, but takes us up. For instance, God says, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things that the world is running after will come chasing after you. So when we seek first the kingdom of God, we don't go down, we go up. Because God always adds to us. God never takes away from us. God always adds to us. That's why Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he adds no sorrow. The blessing of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 22. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and he addeth no sorrow. So when God blesses you, that means the blessing adds no sorrow. You can sleep at night peacefully. Are you following me? Why? Because the blessing adds no sorrow. It adds no sorrow. But everything that comes from the devil adds sorrow. If the devil gives you riches, you can't sleep at night. He will give you something for something. He will say, I'll make you rich and I'll cut off your leg. He will give you something for something. Are you following me? 
He said, I'll give you riches and I'll take one of your children or I'll take your eye. That's why the Bible says, what shall it profit a man? Matthew 16, 26. What shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and loses his soul? That means your soul is more valuable than gaining the whole world. Hallelujah. So there are advantages in walking in the fear of the Lord. And there must be a remnant in the church that fears God, that walks in the fear of the Lord. There must be a remnant in the church that fears God or walks in the fear of the Lord. Hallelujah. So our foundational text, Proverbs chapter 22 verse 4, it says, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, number one, and honor, number two, and life. Three very important things. So that means to be able to fear the Lord, you must walk in humility. Without humility, you cannot walk in the fear of the Lord. How many of you remember Nebuchadnezzar? He said, I fear no man. I don't fear God. And because of that, God said, I am going to cause you to learn humility seven years. And he sent him to go and eat grass with the animals. Because he says, I don't fear God. Because he thought he was the most powerful king ever. But there is a king of kings. There is a Lord of lords. His name is Jesus. Someone might say, I don't believe there is God. Well, that's your own cup of tea. The judgment day will come. We will stand before him. And then we will know whether God exists or not. (laughs) So when you come up with your theories. I don't believe in God. God doesn't exist. I don't do God. Blah, blah, blah. I just stand there and say, okay, thank you. Bye. No argument. It is only a fool that argues with a fool. Excuse my language. Why? Because the Bible says, Proverbs 14, 1. It says, it's only the fool, or Psalm 14, verse 1. It's only the fool that says there is no God. So when you start arguing with a fool, people will not know the difference. (laughs) If they know that person as a fool, and you start arguing with that person, and people see him, they'll say, oh, because fools walk with fools. That's Psalm 14. Psalm 14 verse 1. It's only the fool that says what? There is no God. So you don't argue with the fool. You say there is no God. Okay, fine. The fool has said in his heart that there is no God. There is no God. Okay, fine. Keep your thought. I keep my thought. Job said, I am not inferior. What you know, I know. What you have seen, I have seen. One thing I know, there is God. God is alive. 
said, God is alive. And the Bible says that all man, all flesh will stand before this one true God. All man, all flesh. So it takes humility to walk in the fear of the Lord. It takes what? Humility. It takes humility. What is humility? Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Let's define humility. From verse 4. God is going to lift you up. God is going to raise you up. God will separate you out of those who does not fear him. God will show you forth to the world so that the world will know that you serve a living God. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 2 from verse 4. Look carefully. It says, look not every man on his own things, but let every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you. Now, God wants to show us the definition of humility. And he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So Jesus is God or was God. But he did not think it robbery to be equal with God. It takes humility for three wise men to share two nuts. A proverb. It will take you 10 years to understand. It takes humility for three wise men to share two nuts. The Bible says, Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. My man of God, Dr. Otterbill, said, Where two or three are gathered, there will be a power struggle. <laughs> Where there are put three children together, give them a task. You'll see one wants to be a leader. The other one will say, I want to be the leader. The other one will say, I want to be the leader. Why? Because one doesn't want to submit to the authority of the other. Jesus was equal with God. Equal. In all manner, equal, equal with God. As a matter of fact, this might sound as blasphemy. Jesus is actually above God. I know you haven't heard this before. Jesus is above God. Why? God himself confirmed it. The Bible says in the beginning is the word. And the word was with God. And the word is God. Right? Who is the word? Jesus. Jesus is the word. Now, the Bible says, God said, 
I have lifted up my word above my name. Who is the word? Jesus. So Jesus, as a matter of fact, is above God. There is nothing that is above God except the word. Even God could not function without the word. Oh, I'm telling you, Jesus will change your life. All you've got to know is Jesus. Have Jesus and nothing else. Have the word and nothing else. So Jesus is above God. Yet the Bible says he humbled himself. He thought it's not robbery to be equal with God. He humbled himself. He brought himself low to the point where God said, because you have humbled yourself, I'm going to give you a name. And that name will be above every other name, including the name God. So he said, let this might be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant that was made in the likeness of men and being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death of the cross. Verse 9 of Philippians chapter 2, wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the mention of the name Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord. So the word Jesus is above God. Yet he humbled himself. He humbled himself because humility is not about showing your strength. Humility is not showing how strong you are. The book of Proverbs says even a fool when he is quiet he is considered wise. (laughs) That's why you have to learn to be quiet in the presence of those who talk too much. Sit in a meeting full of professors and doctors and scientists. Just keep quiet. You will be classified as the wisest. As a matter of fact, when I'm in a meeting with people who are above me, I don't talk. I always keep quiet. I don't talk. People who have gone ahead of me in ministry, I don't talk. I'm just quiet. Because you have to understand the power of humility. The word. The word. The word is key in our work with God. You see, it takes humility to read the word. How many of you know that? Yeah. It even takes humility to pray. Arrogant people don't pray. (laughs) They don't pray. Arrogant people don't pray. They don't, in the morning, they just get up and go. Because they think, I own my life. I know how to drive. I have the keys. I have everything. So they just get up and go. The day you walk out of your house without praying, 
without seeking the face of God, that means you are arrogant. You are telling God, I can take control of my life. I love what 1 John says. 1 John 1, 1. It says, that which was from the beginning, that which we have heard, that which we have seen with our eyes, that which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, of the word of life. Seven things about the word. Number one, number one, number one, is the word was from the beginning. Jesus was from the beginning. He was there before even the beginning became a beginning. He was there before beginning. Now we read in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And most of the time we say God lives in the heaven, right? We ask someone where is God? They say he's in heaven. Right? So, <laughs> if he's in heaven, and the Bible says that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, where was he before he created the heavens and the earth? Where was God before he created the heavens? He was where? There, where? No. He doesn't live in heaven, he created heaven, he lives outside of heaven. He said that the heavens are too small. The heavens are my sitting throne. The heavens is where he sits. The earth is his footstool. His bottom is on the heavens. The earth is where his leg is. So before the beginning, he was there. He is the beginning. Are you following me? Pray that you catch this revelation. So the first thing we must align our life with is the word. Because the word is from the beginning. Number two thing we must always hear is the word. Number one, what was from the beginning? First John 1 John 1.1 That which was from the beginning was what? The word. Number two, which we have heard. What do we hear? How does faith come? And by hearing what? By hearing the word of God. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So number one, we begin with the word. Number two, we hear the word. Number three, we keep our eyes on the word. Because everything you'll ever need is what? In the word. Everything you'll ever need. Your house is in the word. Your promotion is in the word. Amen. Your breakthrough is in the word. Amen. Your healing is in the word. Amen. Your peace of mind is in the word. Amen. Everything that pertains to life and godliness is where? In the word. So you keep your eyes on the word. Second Kings chapter 2 from verse 1 to 8. Elijah told Elisha, if you see me go, that means you have to keep your eyes on me. You can't sleep. Keep your eyes on the word. Many of us are keeping our eyes on men. And men will disappoint you. 
we keep our eyes on God, on the word. So Elijah said to Elisha, if you see me go, then you will receive the mantle. But if you sleep, if you snooze, you miss out. Have you noticed that sometimes you are in church and then you doze and then by the time you realize a word is passed over your head. The word that is meant for you is passed over your head. And when you go back and you listen to the podcast, you say, I was in the church. I was there. I didn't hear pastor say that. Why? The devil made you lose out on the word because you did not keep your eyes on the word. So number one, what we start with? The word. Number two, what do we do? What do we hear? The word. Number three, what do we see? We keep our eyes on the word. And then number four, it says that which we have looked upon. We look upon it. That means you sit in a position where you are looking upon it. You sit in a position where your eyes is constantly, you are looking. You are not looking at anything else. You keep looking at the word. Keep looking at the word. Listen to me. Your breakthrough is in the word. Everything you will ever need. That's why the devil will do everything to keep you away from the word. He'll keep you away from a church that teaches the word. Because he knows once you receive revelation of who you are, you begin to walk in the reality of your redemption package. And so he'll keep you away from looking into the word. What is the last thing you read at night before you go to bed? If you read a storybook, you can read it for an hour. But if you take the Bible, you sleep. He doesn't want you to know who you are. When the devil came to tempt Jesus, Matthew chapter 4, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The word. The word. This church must be a church of the word. If there is anything we are known for, we must be known for a church that teaches the word that lives by the word, that operates on the principles of the word, that sees breakthroughs and miracles through the word. Since God called me, I have never branched through anywhere before. I don't have any, anything else in my pocket. I don't have any, anything else under my wrist. I don't have any extra ring apart from my wedding ring. I don't have anything that has passed through somewhere that they will say, if you wear this, this will happen. Church will grow. Church will expand. You'll see more miracles. That's all rubbish. All I need is Jesus. And all the miracles, all the breakthroughs we see in the church is through the word. It's through the word. It's through the word. Because if you pass through somewhere, the devil gives you something, he will come demanding. That's why sometimes you hear people just die. Men of God, mysteriously. Die. 
He had a big church, mega church. Then died. Oh, the church collapsed. Many people died because a covenant has been made with the evil one. And he must come for the blood of people to be appeased or to be satisfied. That's why you hear church collapse. Hundred people die. It's a covenant. Done, sealed somewhere negatively undercover. Why? Because the Bible says that even in the last days, the very elect will be deceived. The very elect, including archbishops, bishops, apostles, pastors, evangelists, teachers, deacons, deaconesses, elders, they will be deceived. The Antichrist will come in the form of a God and he'll be doing all manner of miracles. And many will believe. Because the Bible says, where the carcasses are, there will the vultures gather. It seems I have deviated from what I'm teaching. I haven't. The Holy Spirit is taking us somewhere. So that which is from the beginning... That which we have heard, that which we have seen with our eyes, that which we have looked upon, and that which our hands have handled. So the fifth thing is your hand must constantly handle the word. Your hand must constantly handle the word. And then number seven is the word of life. The word that you have will always give you life. Out of the word proceeds life. Out of the word proceeds what life. And it's a good life. It's a very life of God. It's a Zoe life of God. John 10, 10. Jesus said, the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But he said, I have come that they might have life and have it how? More in abundance. That's a Zoe life. The God kind of life. So there are advantages in working in the fear of God. There are many advantages in working in the fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 4 our foundational test. It says, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. So, the three advantages, number one, there are more, but quickly, just in this scripture, there are three advantages in walking in the fear of the Lord. One of them is riches. Amen. One of them is riches. Amen. How many of you want to be rich? Amen. How many of you want to be rich? Amen. You see, it is arrogance when you know in your heart you want to be rich. But you are asked, how many of you want to be rich? And you pretend, say, oh, as for me, riches is for worldly people. Who told you? It's a lie. So how many of you want to be rich? The, re- the word rich is simply stand for material wealth. 
Riches connotes having things beyond your wildest dreams. Everything you had desire. Faith. Your level of faith determines your level of things. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now faith is. So, the more faith you have, the more things you have. The less faith you have, the less things you have. The second advantage of walking in the fear of the Lord is honor. Honor. Honor simply means being held in high esteem or high respect. And what is the point having riches without honor? Riches without honor is a complete waste of time. Your wealth must come with honor. Honor is good. Strive to be a man and woman of honor. When your name is mentioned anywhere, People can lie, they can say all kinds of things, but there's one thing they must say about you, that you are a man or a woman of honor. Honor means your integrity is above board. Your A is A and your B is B. Are you following me? If you say, I will show up at seven, you show up at seven. If you promise to give someone something, you honor your words. And the third advantage is life. Life. This is the God kind of life. It's a good life. One of the advantages of walking in the fear of the Lord is you have life. Your life is not under pressure. You live a good life. You are excited. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You have everything that pertains to life and godliness. Hallelujah. So quickly, what does it mean to fear the Lord? What does it mean to fear the Lord? To fear the Lord means to be addicted to righteousness and be allergic to sin. To fear the Lord means to be addicted to righteousness and to be allergic to what? Sin. When we say being addicted to something, it means it becomes a stronghold. When you're addicted to righteousness, it means you righteousness is a stronghold. Hebrews chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. 
Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. It says, But unto the Son he said, Thy throne, O God, is forever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Now, when you hear the word scepter, it's a symbol of authority. A scepter is a symbol of what? Authority. But that symbol of authority is exerted in what? In righteousness. When you go to a king's palace, you see the king holding a scepter. It's like a sword, but it's not a proper sword. That's a symbol of their authority. But it says, but unto the son, he said, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness is the is the scepter of thy kingdom. So that means righteousness is the hallmark of this kingdom. Are you following me? What does it mean to be righteous? To be righteous means to have a right standing with God. To have a right standing with God. Now look at verse 9 of Hebrews chapter 1. It says, Thou hast loved righteousness. Thou hast loved righteousness. So the fear of the Lord is to love righteousness. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Iniquity there is sin. Therefore God, even thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Hallelujah. This is the secret behind one great man of God. His name is Pastor Enoch Adeboye, the general overseer of the redeemed Christian Church of God, the, the largest church in the world and the fastest growing church in the whole world. Has branches, has almost about a thousand branches here alone in the UK. And when they gather for a meeting, say in Nigeria, the service holds about five million. This is a prayer meeting, Friday night prayer meeting. Sometimes it's over five million. And his secret is this scripture. Hebrews chapter one, verse nine. It says, thou hast loved righteousness. If you want the anointing of God to stay fresh, pastors, hear me. You want the anointing of God to stay fresh. Worship leaders, worship men and women, church members, church leaders, hear me. If you want the anointing of God to stay fresh upon your life, you have to love righteousness. And you have to hate iniquity. You have to love righteousness. The word hate is a strong word. The opposite of love is hate. You have to hate iniquity. Hate there means you have to be allergic to iniquity. Iniquity is sin. You have to be allergic to sin. Now when we say somebody has an allergic reaction to something, it means every time the person eats that thing, you see a physical reaction of that thing. Let's say you are allergic to nuts. Whenever you eat nuts, you have righteous and your face swells. You see a physical reaction. 
what do you do? Will you still eat it? No. You stop eating it. Yeah. Now, the definition of the fear of God is to love righteousness and to be allergic to sin. You have to hate sin with a passion. You cannot walk or experience the anointing that causes you to be above your fellows. You cannot walk in that level of anointing if you love sin. If you love sin. You know, these days in the church, you don't know who is a Christian anymore. You don't know. You can't tell. It's difficult to tell. Listen, the church is not the building when we come together. I hope you know that. The church is not the building when we come together. This is not the, this is only a building. You and I are the church. The Bible says we are the temple of the living God. And this is, is very difficult. Very difficult. You cannot differentiate between a Christian and a worldly person any longer. Because Christians love the world now more than they love God. The Bible says that if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. So, if you are going to make it in life, you have to be allergic to sin. You can't watch what unbelievers are watching. You cannot change the world if you behave like them. So, that is what it means to walk in the fear of God. We have to love righteousness and we have to hate, be allergic to sin. That's why Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So that means even for you to have access to wisdom, you have to fear God. Now, you know, Bible theologians have watered down the word fear. They say, oh, the word fear doesn't really mean fear. It means reverence. It means honor. No, no, that's not true. This word fear there means fear. Fear there means fear. God wants you and I to fear him. Because when you don't fear something, you don't honor them. If you don't fear someone, you don't honor them. Until we fear God with the godly fear, we will not honor him. The reason why people don't break the law is because they are are fearing of the law. They fear the police. How many of you, when you know the law says 70 miles, right? On the motorway is 70 miles. Now you're driving at 110 miles per hour and then you see a policeman by your side what do you do? you slow down why? because you fear 
the fear of being pulled over and being given a ticket. But if you are driving at 110 miles and there's another car by you that is not marked as a police car, you don't care. You drive at 110 miles. Why? Because you don't fear that car. So that means we must fear God in real terms. Not water it down. Not reverence. There's a place for reverence. We must really fear God. The word fear means what it means. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Listen, God's secret is only revealed to those who fear him. If you want to know the secret of God, you have to fear him. Psalm 25 verse 14. It says, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And he will show them his covenant. Psalm 25 verse 14. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and he will show them his covenant. So that means when you don't fear God, he will not show you his covenant. He will not reveal his secrets to you. What an awesome glory to know the secrets of God. For God to show you his secrets. That's why God said, can I do anything without first revealing it to my servant Abraham? Seeing that he fears me. Seeing that he's my friend. So before God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, God said to Abraham, I'm going to destroy it. I have to first reveal it to you. So when you fear God, he reveals secrets to you. And when you have secrets into God, you will be above your enemies. You will be above the world. Why? Because the fear of the Lord is with those that fear. The secret of the Lord is with those that fear him. I don't know about you, but every day I want God to reveal secrets unto me. Secrets, mysteries, treasures in hidden places. Those are secrets. He wake you up and say, my son, my daughter, I have a package for you there. Whatever you need is there. It's hidden. It's in a secret place. But I have revealed it to you because you fear me. How many of you remember the parable of the field? of that man who the treasure hidden in the field. The Bible says that he was walking and he found the treasure on the field and for the joy of the treasure, he went back and hid it and went and sold everything and bought the field. Now, do you know that on that field, everybody was walking on it? The field is like in the church. When we come, we all hear the same word. But some scale higher heights with that same word than others. On Sunday, I was teaching on 
debt cancellation. Today we had a testimony of supernatural debt cancellation. Some of us are wondering, oh, what was happening? The word was passing over our head. You see, can you see the same word, yet the impact and the results are different. It's the same field. Some were playing on the field. Some came to make friends. Some came to gossip on the field. Some came to see what's happening. <laughs> Is church still on? Is it still preaching? <laughs> they just came to see what's happening on the field. Forgetting that there is a treasure hidden in the field. That's why every time you come to the house of God, pray that God will open your eyes so you can see the treasures, the hidden treasures. So the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. If you don't fear God, he can entrust you with his secrets. And secrets are meant to be secret. That's why Paul said, the mysteries that were hidden from generations before me were revealed unto me because God can trust me. Can God trust you with secrets? Can God trust you with people's weaknesses? Or when he reveals them to you, you crush them. They say, ah, I got you where I want you. <laughs> I love what Joseph said to his brothers. He said, I am not in the place of God for I fear God. So I cannot destroy you. Are you following me? Are you following what I'm saying? In the garden of Gethsemane, Peter took out a sword and cut off the ears of one of the soldiers. And Jesus said, no, 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 you don't understand what I'm here for. Put that sword away. Do you not know that I can command legions I can ask legions right now to come and defend me. This is not a, 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 a flesh, arm of flesh battle. It's a spiritual warfare. So those who draw the sword die by the sword. Those who draw the sword, they die by the sword. One great man of God, Bishop Doug Howard Mills of the Lighthouse Chapel International, one of his favorite subjects is loyalty and disloyalty. And so he traveled somewhere and he was teaching. And every time he goes to that church and he teaches on loyalty, he was invited the first time, he went, loyalty and disloyalty. And then one of the pastors came to the senior pastor and said, why? This bishop come and all his teaching is loyalty and disloyalty. Does he think we are disloyal here? The following year, he came. He taught loyalty and disloyalty. Eight signs of those who are disloyal. Number one, they have an independent spirit. <laughs> I don't want me to go through the steps now. Obviously, you know them by the steps. Praise God. You should know the signs. And so he took he took the book, the bishop bishop's book on loyalty, and threw it down and on it and say, what is this book? It's nothing. What is loyalty and disloyalty? The following year, by the time he came back, he did it in front of his senior pastor. He did it. Before Bishop Doug came back, the pastor called Bishop Doug and said, oh, he's left the church. The one who was against 
the preaching of loyalty and disloyalty, left the church. And guess what? His leg that he used to stamp on the book was cut off. Because he has no fear of God in him. <laughs> the church is not this building, you know. So if you think you fight against the church, either with your mouth, your hands, your leg, your head, whatever it is, come on. His leg was cut off. Today he's walking without a leg, one leg. Next time you will know that you don't touch the anointing of the law. Let me say this, ignorance of the law does not exempt you from the punishment of the law. Please get this. Ignorance of the law does not exempt you from being punished when you break the law. So the secret of the Lord is with those that fear him. So fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. So everything you see, you just open your mouth and start speaking. No fear. No fear in the church anymore. No fear in the house of God. The house of God has become a gambling club. No fear. People take their pastor to their dining table and discuss. Did you hear what pastor was saying today? He was talking about the fear of the Lord and he was looking at me as if I don't fear the Lord. <laughs> Pastor was talking about soul winning and he was just looking at me. Every time he talked about soul winning, he was looking at me. That means it's like I have never won a soul to the church before. No fear in the church of God anymore. We have to be careful because even the sons of Samuel, oh, this series is going to get better. The sons of Samuel they were priests in the house. They were taking the fat portion of the offering and they were playing with the girls in the house. And God said, I will not let you go score free. God killed them. God killed their father because their father did not speak against what they were doing. Their father said, if you fall in the hands of men, God will forgive you. But if you fall in the hands of God, who will forgive you? <laughs> How can you fight God and think you survive? Even Uzzah tried to help God and God killed him. You are just a bicycle. Let's assume God is a tractor stuck in the mud. Can a bicycle pull a tractor out of the mud? Exactly. How can you who's that try to help God? He said, God is falling. <laughs> Let me help God. The house of God is falling. Let me help. Can you? <laughs> God said, my friend, step out. <laughs> Hallelujah. So the fear of God must come back to the house of God. Listen, it's only those who fear God that will make heaven. If you don't fear God, you will not make heaven. Because, listen, the fear of God is an acknowledgement of the presence of God wherever you are, even alone. 
the fear of God is an acknowledgement of the presence of God wherever you are, even alone. Because you know that he can see everything. He can see your thoughts. Listen, God does not judge actions. He judges thoughts. He judges our motives. What is the motive behind what you are doing in the house of God? Why are you doing what you are doing? Are you doing it because someone else is doing it? Why are you doing what you are doing? Hallelujah. Quickly as we get ready to close. Five things that happens to those who walk in the fear of God. Number one, they are loved by God. When you fear God, he loves you. Those who fear God are loved by God. Number two, those who fear God are protected by God. You cannot fear God and he will not protect you. He will protect you. He will defend you. Miriam rose up against Moses. And God said, who are you? Who are you to determine who Moses marries? And God struck her with leprosy. When you fear God, God will protect you. You don't need to fight. Just fear God. You don't need to defend yourself. People can criticize you. They can say all kinds of things about you. Just fear God. God will stand for you. He will protect you and he will defend you. Job chapter 1 from verse 9. We'll read that later, not today. We'll go into that in detail. The Bible says that the sons of God appeared before God and Satan also showed up. So that means even in the church, there are devils in the church, including this one. Now, if in the presence of God, Satan showed up, what is the church? (laughs) So Satan showed up and said, have you considered, and God asked him, have you considered my servant Job? God said, he is a man who fears me. He eschews evil and he's upright. God even knew that Job was a man who fears him. Listen, when you fear God, God will defend you. God will speak about you. In the public places, God will defend you to your enemies. God will tell them, listen, this one, he fears me. Adam Sebeji, he fears God. I didn't come into ministry because I wanted to. God called me. I fear God. When you fear, when you say fear, fear, I fear God. Proper fear, I fear God. I fear God. I fear God. I fear the things of God. And woe unto you when you touch a man or a woman that fears God. Never dishonor a man that God has honored. This series will open your eyes into some deep truths. Because God is going to give you riches, honor, 
and life because you fear him. The days of struggling to be rich are over. Listen, those why are you following riches when all you have to do is fear God and he'll bring you the riches. Why? He says, seek first the kingdom and its righteousness and all these things that the world is dying for will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom. Go soul winning. Pray for the kingdom. Pray for the advancement of the kingdom. Pray for the house of God. Pray that the word of God will be alive. Pray that there will be fire on the altar every time we gather. Pray for souls. Instead of going about chasing other things, spend your time praying for souls. Pray for souls. Pray that God will send souls into his house. God will send men and women. The house of God will be greater and greater. That's what you should be praying for. So number two is they are protected. Five things that happens to those who walk in the fear of God. Number one, they are loved by God. Number two, they are protected. Number three, they are favored by God. They are favored by God. Do you want favor? Fear God. Fearful favor will break out in your life. Just fear God. It says when, when we fear God, right, and his favor breaks loose, loose in our lives, it says the kings of the earth, the kings of the earth will know that we are serving a living God. Okay, Psalm 102 verse 13. Thou will arise and have mercy upon Zion for the time to favor her yet the set time has come. Verse 14, it says, For thy servants take pleasure in her stones and favor the dust thereof. Verse 15, so that the heathen shall fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth thy glory. So what happens is when we are favored by the Lord, the heathen, the world, they can see the favor of God upon us and even the kings of the earth will fear the name of the Lord because of his favor. Therefore, from today, the favor of God will break loose in your life. Let me hear a living amen. I said the favor of God will break loose in your life. As you fear the Lord, you will not lack favor. You will not lack favor. Favor is coming into your house in the name of Jesus. I release favor into your family in the name of Jesus. Just on Sunday, we were praying on favor. Isn't that right? On Sunday, we were praying on favor. That week, somebody shared a testimony of that exact same level of favor that broke loose in their life. God started increasing them financially. Favor, fearful favor. It's working. And it will work in your life. You see, favor is when you are loved. Without a cause. Genesis 39 verse 2. The Bible says that. And the Lord prospered Joseph. Because God was with him. And when you read down. The Bible says that he had favor with Potiphar. You will have favor. I said you will have favor. From today favor is coming upon you. The dew. The verdue of favor is coming upon you. 
the favor of God is resting upon this church. Every genuine member of this church will encounter fearful favor. In the name of Jesus Christ. When the world is crashing down, you'll be going up. When people are being laid off from their job, you will be retained. In the name of Jesus. Favor would distinguish you from the world. Number four. Number four, they are honored by God. First Samuel chapter 2 verse 30 to 32 it says, those who honor me I will honor. Those who honor me I will honor. God will honor you. Amen. God will honor your family. Amen. Let me hear a living amen. amen. God will honor everything your hand touches. Amen. God will honor this church everywhere we are. The gates of this church will be honored. No evil will come near us. We are honored by the Lord. So therefore, no man, no nation, no institution can dishonor us. In the name of Jesus. The last but not the least, the fifth one is they are blessed by God. They are blessed by God. They are blessed. The Bible says that when Isaac blessed Jacob, the blessing became a reality. Amen. Do you know that blessing is only one blessing? That's why when Esau came for the blessing, the father could not bless him. There's only one blessing in the Bible and it's called the blessing of the Lord. Yes. Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and he added no. It's the same blessing God placed upon Abraham. That's why Jesus could not allow that blessing to go waste. So Galatians 3, 13 and 14, Jesus have to die to retain that blessing. That's why Galatians 3, 13 and 14, it says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having made a curse for us, for curse is everyone that hangs on the tree. Verse 14, so the blessing of Abraham might come upon us. Glory be to God. It's only one blessing. There's only one blessing of God in the Bible. Only one. It's not two. Only one. That's why Jacob could not, Isaac could not bless Esau when he came and said, is there not a reserved blessing? There is no reserved blessing. There's only one blessing. And Isaac said, I have blessed Jacob and no man can curse him. Solution Chapel is blessed by God. Therefore, no man can curse us. This church is blessed by God and no man can curse us. This church is blessed. And anything that is blessed of the Lord increases higher and higher. Therefore, I command the blessing over you. I decree the blessing over you. I decree the blessing over you. I decree the blessing over you. The same blessing that came from the loins of Abraham. That came from the loins of Isaac. I release that blessing upon you. I release the father's blessing upon you. As you genuinely connect to this ministry. As you genuinely fear God. Wherever you are. Wherever you find yourself. You will be blessed. Therefore.
therefore I decree you bless. I decree you bless. I decree you bless. I decree you bless. I decree the works of your hands bless. I decree the works of your mind bless. Everything your hand touches is blessed. Wherever you are is blessed. Your house is blessed. Your womb is blessed. Your mind is blessed. Your head is blessed. Your legs are blessed. Everything you do is blessed. Your business is blessed. Your children are blessed. Your grandchildren are blessed. Your business is blessed. In the name of Jesus. If I be a man of God, by the end of this month, you will see a breakthrough of the blessing. You will see a breakthrough of the blessing. You will see a breakthrough of the blessing over your life in the name of Jesus. Did you receive it, somebody? Give God some praise. Give Jesus some praise. We are walking in the blessing. We are walking in the blessing. We are walking in the blessing. We are the blessed of the Lord. And no man can curse us. Hallelujah.